so we we've talked about the original trilogy to a certain extent. I mean, we've talked about our experiences watching the original trilogy, certainly. I know one of the things I wanted to talk about was the prequels, but I mean, and if you want to listen to our thoughts on the prequels, I mean, we our commentaries are available on Sonic Cinema for all three of them with Dave. And even though they were done like 11, 12 years ago, I mean, I think our feelings about them still are fundamentally the same. Mm-hmm. You know, there, Although I would like to retract everything I, I've said about Jake Lloyd. I think his performance is just, you know... One for the ages, I think. Uh. <laughs> I was reformatting some of my uh, review of Attack of the Clones, and there was a uh, point there where I said that I felt like Jake Lloyd's performance was unfairly maligned, and mm. I just had to delete that because it's like, I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. I It was completely maligned. But I mean, I don't necessarily blame... I don't put all of the blame on him. I well, mean, you really I, can't. it was... I don't put any blame on him, really. It was, I mean, it was. There's a certain point, though, where it's like the actor is ultimately responsible. And I, he didn't really give a good performance. But that being said, he wasn't necessarily well-directed or well-serviced with regards to the screenplay, either. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think well, that's... Well, okay, there are scenes... Like, the, the scene where he's saying goodbye to his mom... That was really good. That See, that, that was that actually... That was very good. That was actually, that was actually one of the better scenes. Yeah. And like you know, the and Jake Lloyd is actually serviceable he, in that in that scene. But like, I think it's because of the fact that it's one of those scenes that really adds weight to the character. Mm-hmm. The pod race adds no real weight to the character whatsoever. Right. Other than the few seconds or so at the end where he's trying to use the force, it's like mm-hmm. where you sort of get the feeling that he's using the force. Right. And, but it's like there's no real. There's nothing we learn about him in the pod race that makes you think this guy is. There's nothing. You know, there's nothing. He's going to become Darth Vader one. Right. But the scene saying goodbye to his mother is very different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is something that I think shows that there is a level of depth to the character that you just don't see throughout the rest of that movie. Right. You know, and I have to give credit to, uh, oh, I can't remember what her name was, who played his mother. Shmi. I mean, yeah, I know she was in uh, some Bergman films. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I can't remember the name of the actress either. Yeah. I think it was Pernilla August. Pernilla August, like? yes. Yeah. That's, a, that's probably the closest we're going to come. I yeah, think. you know, and she has worked with Bergman, and it's like she's a really good actress. Mm. So, I mean, I think that helps, but Samuel L. Jackson is a really great actor. Mm. But for some reason, that the scenes with Anakin and the Jedi Council don't work as well as that scene does. Mm-hmm. And it's like you look at the expression on Jake Lloyd's face, and it's like, you can tell he's trying to convey some sense of darkness to his character. It's mm-hmm. just not there. Mm. What's that got to do with anything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are so many line readings he has that are just awful. I, you know, I mean, I he's one of the people that I feel sorry for the most because it's like there's no telling how much that performance just completely derailed any career he might have had. Mm-hmm. In Hollywood, but at the same time, it's like he wasn't well serviced by the screenplay he was given and by the direction. Mm-hmm. I think that's it's one of the biggest problems with the prequels, or at least episodes one and two, that it had been 22 years since George Lucas had actually directed a movie. 
Mm-hmm. I and especially with episode one, I think it shows because you you spent you take that much time off between movies, you're gonna get rusty. Yeah, and, but you can only you can only you can only say that so much before it really starts to you know. But the thing is, it's like some have you have you seen some of those articles that were posted recently about some of the people that Lucas actually approached originally to direct episode one? Yeah, I think so. Ron Howard yeah. being one of them. Yeah. I can't remember any of the other names off the top of my head, but I know Ron Howard was a And Ron Howard would have been a good choice. I mean, they had worked together on Willow. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, that would have been an interesting choice. It's not really something he had ever done before. Right. I mean, he'd done with Apollo 13, obviously. He'd done effects-heavy work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cocoon was another movie. It had some effects to it. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was first and foremost an actor's movie. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's the fact of the matter is, it's like, if you focus on what could have been with, oh, if, the, if only this person had directed, if only this person had directed, it's like, you're, you're just, you know, it's like the people who think, oh, well, what would Indiana Jones 4 have been like had Frank Darabont's script been approved? And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, if if you're just going to keep playing that game, I mean, yeah. it's... Yeah, that's all it you're, is. It's you're going You're going to deflate the, any chance of finding something enjoyable in those movies at all. Exactly. That's a good point. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, it's like, I do think Lucas gets more confident by the time he gets to episode three, by the time he gets to Revenge of the Synth. He's much more confident, I think, when it comes to his actors and his... Direction in general, I mean, the pacing in Revenge of the Sith is pretty terrific. I mean, there's not really a dead spot in that movie where it's like, oh, how long is this going to take? I mean, and and it gets that way, but also Revenge of the Sith is probably the best, it's arguably the strongest story of the three, because we know exactly what's going to happen. Well, that's the thing is, like, I think probably one of the reasons Revenge of the Sith is regarded as the best prequel, which that's the, that's the thing that's that's really stretching it. But I think that's the thing is, like, this is the one that actually has the stuff that we want, we've been waiting to see. Yeah. That's why, that's why it's still kind of watchable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's because it's, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think like there was there was like talk of like I think you and I were talking at one point before right before episode three came out. It was like, yeah, this movie's gonna have to be like three hours long to see all this stuff that like we we you know yeah. like like there were so many things that still hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Like most of it had all just been hinted at in you know in episode two. Yeah, but yeah, we were talking about how episode three was probably gonna have to be three hour quote unquote three hours long. Or like, oh, well, I don't think I'd mind to see as long as it's you know enjoyable and. But yeah, um, yeah, I think that's that's probably one of the only reasons that episode three is actually at all watchable is because it actually has the stuff that we've been waiting to see. Yeah, you know, yeah. that being you know this fateful lightsaber duel between Obi Wan and Anakin, and then Anakin turning to the dark side. Yeah, you yeah. see the Emperor. You see yeah, the exactly. destruction of the Jedi Order. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that that is a good point. I mean, I I do think that's part of the reason that the movie works because I've contended for a while. I don't think it's ever been ever since Episode Two came out that. The story he told in episode two, in episode one, and episode two was wrong. Not necessarily all of the pieces, but not necessarily all of the pieces of those stories, mm-hmm. but just the fact that there there are aspects of those stories that you didn't need. I I feel like episode one basically should have been a combination of the stories in episode one and two, 
mm-hmm. with the finale of episode one being at the, the start, start of, the of the Clone Wars. Wars. Then episode and then two episode two would be straight about Wars. the Clone Wars. Yeah. And episode not, not just not just the start of the uh, Clone Wars. No, just like a continuation. And of not the Clone that god awful love story either. Yeah. Wow. But the thing is, it's like ep- by making Anakin Skywalker a kid in mm-hmm. Episode One, in Episode Two, you know, it's like one of the reasons the Jedi Council wasn't comfortable with him, you know, being trained is because oh, he's apparently too old. Mm-hmm. But in Episode Two, you see the younglings. We're pretty much about the same. Well, age I thought I my my on. think my thinking on that was that you were picked to be trained as a Jedi because they could tell you were force sensitive when you were really really like almost right. newborn. Oh that yeah, was, that was my take on it. And that's why you know like I didn't question the little kids in the in episode two. Well, like, I, I I no I don't either. That's what I thought. I, I was like that's what because like you know because like Jake Lloyd is like ten eleven. In you know nine ten eleven in um uh you know in Phantom Menace and I was like okay so that's too old so like how young are these kids when they're picked to be trained as, as well Jedi? and the thing is it's like I understand you know in intellectually speaking I get it mm-hmm. because I mean yeah like you said it's like you these kids are obviously picked very young and they're separated from their families when they're very young yeah when they when they're discovered to be force mm-hmm. sensitive. I, I think the ultimately the point in saying he's too old in Fan Menace is that he has that lingering connection with his mother. Mm-hmm. And it's gone on a little longer than they normally would allow something like that to go on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand that that's part of the reason, but it's like Yoda also says the same thing about Luke in episode in Empire. Mm-hmm. But I get that because he's in like his 20s. Mm-hmm. His teens or twenties yeah. at that point, so I get He's that. Too old. Yeah, too old to begin the training. And one of the other things that I have a problem with, as far as Anakin being a kid, is that in Episode One you have this, you know, when he goes off with Qui Gon and everybody to become a Jedi, and any scenes with Natalie Portman as Padme, it is very obvious that Padme is looking at him as sort of his surrogate mother. Or he's mm-hmm. he's she's having a very maternal reaction to him. Mm-hmm. She wants to be very protective of him, mm-hmm. and yet in episode two they're supposed to be a romantic couple. Now, yeah, ten years have passed, but it's still a little creepy to think about. Yeah, just a little bit. So, and that was that's part of my problem. But it's like if you if if episode two gave us anything, it gave us Natalie Portman in a midriff. This is true. That's um, this, this is very true. But that's I all mean, I'll if say he about had, that. But if he had started sort of as a teenager, and like they had both been teenagers, mm-hmm. a development of the love story may have been a little bit better, easier to handle. Mm-hmm. And also the implication that he was too old to be trained as a Jedi would have made a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Plus, you wouldn't have had the whole yippee and mm, all geez. those terrible mm. moments that Jake Lloyd had in Fan Mess. Yes. But the fact of the matter is, it's like, I... They did give us Watto, though. Watto is a good character. Watto is a great character. There, there are a lot of really good things about the prequels. It's like, it's few and far between compared to the original trilogy. But it, you know, it's like, I, I still contend that I I still like the prequels to a certain extent. I mean, I will never love them as much as I love the original trilogy. 
But I I like them because of how different the story is. I mean, you know, being in my 20s when the prequels came out, it's like I was more interested in the political aspects of the story. Mm-hmm. And it's like the fact that you're basically... Basically what this story is, is you are basically seeing the Old Republic crumble. You're seeing the steps it takes towards becoming the Empire in each of those three movies. Mm -hmm. It's like, and there's another step in each movie. You know, in episode one, you basically end with Palpatine being the Supreme Chancellor of the Senate. In episode two, he convinces Jar Jar Binks to give him powers to start the Clone Wars. And, you know, I, I know there's a theory of him, oh, you know, Jar Jar Binks was a Sith Lord. No. 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 Uh, he, the, the reason Palpatine was able to get him to give him those emergency powers was because he is weak-minded. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he used the Force on him. Mm-hmm. And then episode three, you basically see the dissolute the disillusion of the old republic that is completed when the senate is uh disbanded supposedly in a new hope so i mean that's the aspect of the story of the prequels that i actually find most interesting and i like the uh i like the arc the sort of detective arc that obi-wan has in the attack of the clones um, yeah, I mean it's it's, it's 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 not as well handled as it could be. It definitely could be well hand, better handled. I mean, Camino is a cool planet, <laughs> but then yeah, it's like it's a lot of it. Like like it wasn't a lot of it just like really obvious. Like the like yeah. the fact that like you know it's like like a lot a lot of this quote unquote mystery that Obi Wan's trying to yeah. solve in episode two. I think I remember a lot of it being, you know, like, well, thank you, Captain Obvious, when I was watching this. Like, one of them being, you know, the fact that, like, um, they were at, at, at first they were trying to figure out why uh, Camino was, like, erased from, like, the star charts or yeah. whatever. And then, like, yeah. and then, or, or the archives or whatever. And then, like, you know, it's like, then it's then they, it's somehow it's one of the it's one of the younglings that figures that out, and I'm like, I can I'm still not sure. It's still not it's still not clear to me in that scene, like in the scene with the younglings and Yoda. It's still not clear to me whether or not they were trying to. And that's the thing. Like maybe I'm giving Lucas too much credit here, but like it's never clear to me whether or not they were trying to get the younglings to figure that out on them on their own to make like a lesson. Or if they really were relying on what the younglings thought. Now that's and that's the thing. Like I think that's a lot of it was kind of like they were just relying on somebody, what you know, just kind of like stumbling upon the the solution. Now you know that you know what scene I'm that, talking about. That's that's oh yeah. I that do. seemed like, like we're that, like that's actually a very good point. That's kind of that's really, that's that's kind of a stupid scene I for me. I never really thought of it that way. And, I like um, Yoda in that scene, but like that's yeah. about it. But like but then like the right, it's just it's just kind of stupid and pointless. It's just kind of like. Like, where is this mysterious planet? Why was it removed from you know the 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 charts and yeah or the archives or whatever? I can't remember the, like the terminology, but but then like one kid chimes in because it's like 
because somebody removed it from the archives. Yeah, and I was that like, is... I was like, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. I'm just like, I'm sorry. That just I, that... I never really did think of it that way. Yeah, I mean, that that's So much is... that mystery. Yeah. Finger quotes, please, yeah. you know, take note of my finger quotes. Um, so much of that mystery does seem pretty obvious to me. We're kind of like, you know, you watch that again, kind of like a lot of it does seem pretty, you know, a lot of it does seem pretty... Uh, Half half asked, I think. Yeah. A lot of it does. Not a lot of it ever seems like it's that. You know, well, that that's the thing. Like the, the and then the stuff that like is never really truly explained still doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like who's this? Who's this Darth Master Sifidius? Master Sif. Who the hell is that? Um, like that's never explained. I you know I think in it's like think is that in, is, was that supposed to be Dooku or was that supposed to be I I think. That was somebody who, I think the expanded universe might have explained that better. But yeah, but like we're we're talking about the movies but though. Like I know. It's like you and I don't you and I aren't aren't oh, yeah. don't read the books. Like our, no. our friend Daniel does. Yeah. Like he would have been he would have been handy to have at this point. He would have been a you know good he would have been good to have at this point. But so like if we we're but we're not really going to be discussing. The, the, the novels are too much of the EU, really. Well, and especially because none of it's really canon anymore. Right. But, um... But no, like, that's the thing. Like, there's so much... There's so much of that aspect of... Yeah. This mystery that either doesn't make sense mm. or is way too obvious. Well, I mean, I and think... And that's why... That's why... That's, yeah. that's why that part of Attack of the Clones is just kind of really boring to me. That's why... And, you know, and that is... That is actually a very good point about that scene with the uh, younglings and they, you know, the fact that it's like, you know, it does really, you know, I think part of that is supposed to be in the implicate, the implication is that the dark side is clouding the thoughts of Yoda and Obi-Wan. That's why they can't figure it out on their own. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, when you really think about it, but then the, the way, that, the, the way that scene is played, particularly with Yoda, it's kind of like, it's kind of seems like Yoda's kind of like trying to use it as a lesson. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, you know, truly wonderful. The mind of a child is, you know, and yeah. it's like, he's, he's like, he's having more fun. He doesn't seem conflicted in that scene. He yeah. seems like he's trying to conduct a lesson. Mm-hmm. More so than he like, more so than he seems like he's conflicted by the dark side or any or you know what I mean. Right. It's no, like that, it, that is no, it, that's that's a very good point. I mean, you know mm-hmm. that the the thing is, it's like there's so many of those issues. I think that 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 could have just been completely. They could have been handled better if the structure of the prequels, especially one and two, had been stronger. Mm-hmm. Like I can see that, to a certain extent, like I can see that sort of you know the the quote unquote mystery being better played out mm-hmm. in the context of a Clone Wars movie as part of a Clone Wars movie, where it's mm-hmm. like. Oh, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to find this assassin who's killed, trying to kill Padme, mm-hmm. you know, and what if that assassination attempt is taking place during the Clone Wars? It's just another damn thing that they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I can see that having a lot more urgency and a lot more interest if, you know, if it wasn't tied into the discovery of the 
clone, you know, yeah. the cloning project that's happening on yeah. Camino. Which which was which was started by this what, what was what's the guy's well, name? It was basically Master Sifidius, who I I think is somebody who was probably a uh, like he he <clears throat> was the one who who approached the Camino the Camino planet about doing that right yeah like he's the one who who started the cloning yeah and but the the but question is whether who is that. Well, and the question is whether he uh, is working for Dooku, who we know is, yeah, you know, in league with Darth Sidious. Let's well, think like, is it Dooku or is it not? I'm just like, you know, it's just like yeah. that. That stuff. That stuff is that stuff really starts to become kind of a head scratcher for me. Right. So that's that's when I get a little confused. I just kind of that's another part where I, that's that's just another point in the movie where I kind of just like lose my. I lose my interest and I, or my investment, you know, mm-hmm. in anything that might be going on. And then, right, you know, it doesn't really kind of it doesn't really kind of get me back until I think maybe around the the scene with the arena at the end on Geonosis. Yeah. That stuff was actually kind of cool. Like, um, like that's after that's after like you know like you know just don't get us started on the love story yeah for the love of God you know for you know love of all things don't get us started on that love story what is not I mean what could we say what could we possibly say about that tonight that hasn't already been said exactly you know yeah I mean it's you know it's, and the thing is it's not that the love story takes place in the context of a because I mean Han and Leia is a love story in the context of the Star Wars universe. It's the way that it was performed and the way it was written by the actor and directed the, by the director. Yeah, and it was that was it was just a big we got a calculation. We, we got a really pretty love theme from John Williams, but oh, that's a, we got an that's, amazing love theme. That's from John about Williams. it, you know. Um, um, but I mean, that's the thing is like it's it's kind of like you know it's kind of like Titanic. It's just like two pretty people. Kind of finding each other in in the midst of this, you know, this quote unquote tragedy. I guess, like, you know, it's like, you know, that's kind of yeah. like, you know, I mean, I guess that that canon will happen, like, you know, in in intense, you know, circumstances, you know, like, you know, hey, you're 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 pretty, I'm pretty, like, you know, we yeah, we should be attracted to each other, and like, oh, I well, guess we should fall in love. Well, or, that's the problem with the love love stories in that context, where mm-hmm. it's like, it's just simply born out of a responsibility to have some sort of love story. Mm. It's not based on anything else beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's that's one of the and I think that's part of the that is part of the problem with the prequels. I mean it's it's also there's so many other aspects. It's not just the love story mm-hmm. because of the fact that uh <clears throat> um it's 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 not just you know it's it's basically why not snip snip yeah <clears throat> uh what was I going on about well do we want to talk about something else until we can get around to it or um I we can let's get let's get you know do you want to talk about the because again like you know what what could what could we possibly again what could we possibly say about this love story that hasn't already been said? What could we possibly right. say about 
Jar Jar that hasn't already been said. What could we possibly say about you know Jake Lloyd that hasn't already been said? You know, what no, and I mean what hasn't already been said by us too. Yeah. I mean we we've already talked about this yeah. so many times. I think we're, like that's um, the thing. Like I think we're I think we're at the point now when I think you know again just one of the few things I did like about episode two was the stuff in the was the stuff with the you know you know. A lot, a lot of okay, a lot of the well, up until like the the lightsaber duel with yeah. with Dooku, which is just kind of just stupid to me. But like a lot of the stuff from like you know, from what you know the the kind of like the gladiator stuff, mm-hmm. and then and then when like the clones come in yeah. to save them, that yeah. that part was that part was interesting. That part oh, yeah. kind of like had my interest, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of liked I I liked the way that. Obi-Wan and Anakin and Padme played off of each other in that scene. Yeah. I thought that that was actually kind of fun. Well, um, and the fact that, and especially the fact that each, all three of them approached their, you know, respective uh, creatures in mm-hmm. that scene in a different way. Yeah. I mean, Padme was by far, like, at first you think, oh, well, I mean, she's, you know, she's she's doing that to survive. No, she's taking charge of things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like she's. It was. It was act- doing a better. It was actually a scene. It was actually a scene that felt like it was being informed by character. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think Which, that's. Yeah. Oh, that's what we were talking about as far as the love story, where it's like, it, yeah. It's none of that. None of the love stories informed that, by character. Yeah, it's all informed by the need to have a love story. Have it, to have a love story that goes in a certain direction. Yeah. And. And now I remember what I was going with, okay. where I was going with this. You know, there are other parts of the prequel trilogy that are like that as well. Mm. Like the idea of having Anakin be the creator of C-3PO. Like that has no, that's not necessary to the story at all. No. Except you have to figure out reason to have C-3PO in it. Because he and R2-D2 have been in all of them. Yeah, I mean the way they introduce R two D two is much better. Mm-hmm. Is much better. It's not any less ridiculous to a certain extent. Yeah, but it's it's more organic. Yeah, in may- the context of the story, mm-hmm. like just having Anakin be the creator of C three PO, it's like, why? Yeah, I mean, can't they? You know, when when like maybe. Naboo already have like a protocol droid or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. It's like, mm-hmm. couldn't he be? Couldn't that be the reason they mm-hmm. stumble bomb? Why is Anakin have to create? Him? Yeah, but <laughs> it's a protocol droid to help mom. Oh God, Ugh. that's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think we point out that line of dialogue in the commentary too, mm-hmm. and it was just. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's what I was going with. And I mean, I I appreciate you bring helping me remember that. Yeah. Um <clears throat> So, yeah, I mean, there yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is we did three feature-length commentaries on the prequels, and it's like there's not really a whole lot left to say that wouldn't just be a regurgitation of that, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's like our our opinions of the prequels have been very set in stone since almost by the time they've been released. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I with mean, the, it's, With the exception of a couple, the first couple of weeks when we were trying to, like, you know, this is good. 
Yeah, we were we were, yeah, especially with Phantom like, Menace. I thought, it's like I thought Phantom Menace. I think five times in the movie theater because I wanted it to be good. I, yeah, and I saw Phantom Menace when it first came out. I saw Phantom Menace, I think seventeen times. Oh my god! I well, that's the thing. Like the, you and your mom, with you and your mom. Three D re-release. I think I got up to twenty. Oh Jesus! But uh, yeah, so. <sighs> You know, I was I was younger. I I was still you know, I was still making young, my way. You didn't know what you wanted. You didn't know what you <laughs> wanted out of life. You know, and I was still uh, I was still trying to. Uh, I think I saw, and I think I saw how many times did I see Attack of the Clones. I don't think like maybe twice, maybe three times. Oh, I yeah, I I think that one I might have seen like four or five times. And then I think, I think I saw, I think I saw Revenge of the Sith, I think three times, I think three or four times. Yeah. I, because I, I remember, because of those, I don't think I saw more than a, like four or five times. Yeah. Right. Um, but that was part of, part of that was because of the fact that my, uh, ability to see movies that much just dropped precipitously. Um, now it's, you know, rare that I get to some movies even once, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, especially with Fan Mess, you're you you watched it multiple times just to try to convince yourself that was good. Mm-hmm. And it's like the fact of the matter is I still I still feel very much the same way that about it now than I did then. I feel like the strengths are still the strengths. I think the weaknesses are still the weaknesses. But I just have a different, it's just, it's a different perspective on how strong those strengths are and how weak those weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. Like the weaknesses are much more pronounced and much more obvious to me than they were back in 1999. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, in 1999, it was the first real original Star Wars movie in 16 years. Mm -hmm. Like, this is exciting. Exactly. You know, and then the prequel. It was marketed like, to death, and it was yeah. like it was crammed down our throats, and like, you know, and marketing, and, <laughs> you know, and just like, it was hyped. Oh, yeah. To, to, I mean, to was, heights that we'd never seen a movie hyped, you know, yeah, hyped I mean, before. it was arguably the most anticipated movie ever made, and it's like, which is deathly ironic, given how little people believed in the first Star Wars at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean this this would be a good time to I think you know transition we're to episode about, seven. We're we're talking about hype. We're talking about you know marketing. Speaking of hype, we speaking of marketing, we are on the cusp of uh, the Force Awakening. There is Pigment Awakening. Sorry, that was a horrible. We're that's we're, that's that's supposed to be that's supposed to be Snoke though. That's been it's been yeah, confirmed it's, now. Yeah, it's I Andy Circus the Supreme knew, Leader. Well, Snoke. I knew it was Andy Circus. I just you know we didn't really know. Well, wasn't there about wasn't it. there some wasn't there some talk about whether or not it was Andy Circus or Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, when the teaser first came out, yeah. there was talk about that. But yeah, I mean it's, yeah. it's Andy Circus. Yes, yeah, I'm but unquestionably yeah, so, Andy Circus now. And so we're transitioning from the marketing and the hype of the fan mess, and we are on the. Pretty much on the eve of the release of The Force Awakens, which is arguably seen 
just as much hype, just as much marketing. Of course, it's being distributed by Disney. Mm-hmm. That's not a surprise. It's yeah. a Star Wars movie. That's not a surprise. Yeah. Um, Something else we haven't really touched on yet just yet is the Disney stuff is the Disney thing. But yeah, you know, I guess we'll I mean, get, there's you know honestly, I guess we'll get to that. Hopefully, we can get to that more organically at some point. But well, yeah, I mean, especially I mean, I I think especially once we start to really see. I think once we start to get to the standalone movies and mm-hmm. once we, you know, get some distance from Force Awakens coming out and once we start to see a little bit more of the long... I mean, we're, we already kind of know what the long-term plan is for Disney. The mm-hmm. whole idea is to have a movie released every year from here on out. So, like, so like this year it's going to be for Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Next one's going to be Rebels. Uh, or no, not Rogue, Rogue One. Uh, Rogue One. And then Episode and then 8. Episode the year, eight and, and then, then the Han, Han Solo. Solo. And then Episode, episode nine, 9. And then and the third standalone, which is reportedly, supposedly Boba Fett. But I don't think anything's been confirmed yet. Um, and then we have Star Wars Rebels, which is on Disney XD. And it's actually quite a good show. Um, it's a strong. I won't be able to contribute too much to a discussion about rebels. Yeah, or I mean it's Wars a strong. Cause... It's a strong continuation of uh, the quality of work that uh, was going on with Clone Wars when that was canceled after the Disney acquisition. The neat thing um, about Rebels, though, is you do actually see original trilogy characters in that, though. Right? Yeah, like yeah. Darth Vader. Uh, you, you, have, you have Darth Vader. You have. You have his, uh, uh, Lando, Lando Calrissian's in. He it. he is at cameo. Uh, C three PO I think has been an episode already. R two D two has been an episode. But yeah, I mean especially this, especially this season, um, Darth Vader's very much like the main, sort of, sort of the main villain mm-hmm. in front behind the scenes. Right. You know he we're starting to see a little bit more of Darth Vader. How's the now. Uh, how's the voice work? On Darth Vader, by the way, I'm oh, just, I mean, just curious. I think it's James Earl Jones. Is it seriously? I think it is because I know James I know Earl Anthony Jones. Daniels still does C3PO's voice and whenever Billy possible. Billy D. Williams did Lando. Is that seriously? Is it seriously James Earl Jones? I believe it's James t- Earl Jones. Oh, okay, That's so yeah, I mean it's, but he hasn't been in much so far. Right. He hasn't been in much. He's been in a few episodes. He was in the hour-long uh, premiere of season two. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I mean, we're starting to get into some of these other characters, um, but at the same time, we've got a group of new characters that are actually, that's actually a pretty entertaining group. I mean, it's a pretty interesting group. It's, it, it's funny because of the fact that, uh, you know, it's it's sort of a group that feels somewhat inspired by Firefly in terms of the makeup and the composition of mm-hmm. the personalities. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's very much in the Star Wars vein, and uh, they they've done a really good job of uh, I I think they've done a really good job of getting the uh, <clears throat> getting the stories to where making it very much entertaining Star Wars stories mm-hmm. and very much a part of you know what we all kind of wanted to see what the universe would be like between episode three and episode four. Mm-hmm. That's basically what this is. And you see mm-hmm. that, you know, the Jedi aren't completely gone, mm-hmm. but, and the Sith Isn't Ahsoka are, in it? Ahsoka's in it. She, you know, it's one of the things where it's like she, 
She survives the Clone Wars, which you don't see her in Revenge of the Sith, so that was not necessarily guarantee. But basically, you know, and we're going to be going into spoilers here. Basically, what happened at the end of Episode 5, or Season 5 of Clone Wars, was she was framed for blowing up the Jedi Temple. And Mm. she was... And as a result, she was uh, removed from the Jedi Order. But when she found the real culprit, they offered her a chance to come back, and she didn't. So Mm -hmm. she basically walks away from the Jedi Order Hmm. at the end of episode season five. That's interesting. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like that character grew so much. I mean, I remember when we watched the Clone Wars movie... And we're like, really? This is the yeah. best they could do? Right. I mean, the story is still pretty stupid. Yeah. Like, really? This is what you do for a Clone Wars movie? Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, it's like... Well, wasn't the Clone Wars movie just three episodes kind of like Yeah, it was just together? like three, four episodes, just one after another for mm-hmm. uh, for for a movie. Yeah. And when I heard but, that like years later, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Cause yeah. And it that, wasn't that, was necessary. that was 2008, right? Yeah. The Clone Wars it, movie? Yeah, it was. And um, I, I wish they had gone with a different story because there were so many other more interesting stories they could have done. But, I mean, I remember Soka's debut was in that movie, and, I mean, she got on minors. I mean, she was, it, was, it yeah. was annoying just to, you know, see her interact with Anakin in a way that, it felt like the second coming of like Jake Lloyd's Anakin in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like we're oh my god, this character's not gonna be good, right? But it's it was fascinating to watch the character grow on Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and you really felt the weight of when she did walk away from the Jedi Council. You're like, oh my god, this is this is mm-hmm. potentially a game changer, right. and I mean. So to know that she survived the Clone Wars, to know that she survived um, Order 66, and to see her now being an integral part of the Rebellion in Rebels is fascinating. And it's like it's, you're, saying up this, you're saying up this inevitable battle with Darth Vader that is you know is not necessarily going to end well for Ahsoka. Right. So, but and I mean... It could it's, also it's, potentially be pretty epic. If it's oh, yeah, right. absolutely. And I have no doubt to think that... I have no reason to doubt that... think that will, will mm. be anything less because mm. the same guy who was one of the head directors on Clone Wars is one of the creators on Rebels. And so, I mean, he's followed this character from day one, and mm-hmm. so it's it's exciting to see where this is all leading. Um, so yeah, so we're we're talking about so we were talking about the hype of the Force Awakens, and we got sidetracked a little bit talking about Disney and their plans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, with regards to the Force Awakens, I I think. I know I I can't wait for it. I'm really excited. I want to see, I want to see how Han, Luke, and Leia, and all of those characters mm-hmm. are 
served after 32 years after Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I mean, there's also no remembering 1999, remembering the fan mess, remembering the hype that led up to the fan mess. Yeah. You can't help but think this is going to be 1999 all over again, isn't it? I don't. Well, that's the thing. I, I'm my feelings are as long as it's as good as the 2009 Star Trek reboot. Yeah. You know, because like that was that was. I mean, the 2009 Star Trek reboot, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, directed by J.J. Abrams, was <clears throat> pretty was pretty entertaining. Oh yeah. Like that's the thing. Like we're not we're not hardcore Star Trek nerds, so like we you know I don't think you and I don't think I don't remember Dave. I know Dave's actually a Star Trek fan, yeah. so. Do you remember Dave taking too many issues with the with the change in canon with with the with the two thousand nine Star Trek? Not that, not that I recall. Like the the big ones I mean, being the big ones being Spock and Uhura. Yeah. And Vulcan being destroyed. I I think I, those are the two big canon. You know. You know, and the thing is, it's like I don't know that we've ever really because I mean that was around the because that was released right around the time that he left Georgia, so we never actually saw. Oh, that's him. right. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, I don't know how much we've ever really talked about it. I mean, yeah. I don't remember hearing anything particularly bad from him about mm-hmm. it. Um, I mean, I, I think certainly with Into Darkness there was more of an issue. But, I mean, well, part of part of the reason for that is just because of the fact that, I mean, they shoehorn Khan into that yeah. story just ridiculously poorly. Yeah. But, Emphasis um, on the term shoehorn. Yeah. Like... That's like because that's the thing. Like Into Darkness was, it fun. could have been a really good movie. It, it, I mean, that's the thing. Like if it you know, wasn't trying to be calm. And that's the thing. Like that. That's the thing. Like it, it was. It was an entertaining movie. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It was just like that was the thing. Like I think just I think that was the thing. Like yeah, it was like Khan did not belong in that movie. That should have been. Yeah. That should have been like a whole new kind of adventure. That's the thing. That's why I. That's why I'm excited about these these Star Trek. These new Star Treks is because it's making something old new again. Yeah. With these brand new adventures, that's the, that's that's the thing. Like that's why I'm actually uh, excited about you know the I don't know if you've seen the the trailer I, for I Beyond yet. I still haven't yet. seen the new one for Beyond the trailer for Beyond yet. That's the thing. Like that looks like it. That looks like just like a fun Star Trek adventure. Yeah. That's that's that that's that's all I want out of these movies at this point. Yeah. Is like you know this you know with this because that's the thing like. I did think that was actually really smart. I know, and I think J.J. Abrams had a lot to do with that, is the fact that, like, you know, why not bring back Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, make them young again, make it fun, make it make it energetic, make it make it a big, just make it, make it a big, fun action space adventure. Yeah. Bringing, you know, and then, and that's why it worked. Well, there, there the are a thing- lot of reasons, there are a lot of reasons why the, the Star Trek reboot is as entertaining as it is. Yeah. You know, um... Well, and I think, you know, and I think it's because of the fact that it taps into something that really works about the best Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about Wrath of Khan, talking about Voyage Home, talking about First Search for Contact, Spock. and Search for Spock. And it's because of the fact that there is a sense of fun to those movies. Mm-hmm. But there's also a sense of purpose to the story. Mm-hmm. And especially that's something J.J. Abrams does really yeah, well too. And especially and Super Eight was another great Super, example. Yeah, example of it. And I mean, even Mission Impossible Three was a really good Mission Impossible movie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it was arguably better. I don't know if it was better than the first one, but it was definitely better than the second one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it was, there was a purpose, there was a fundamental purpose to that story. Just like there was a fundamental purpose to the way he did the first Star Trek, certainly. Same, and same with when he did Super 8. And, mm-hmm. and that was lost in Into Darkness, I think. I mean, yeah, it's a really fun movie, but it's just like when he tried to do a little too much in terms of fan service. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's that's where you that's where you lose it's, him. On. It's the point where like you know you think Kirk is dead, and then yeah. Spock is like, "Come on!" And I'm like, "Well," and and the fact that better like, is it's like. It it doesn't make it better that you're just reversing what they did in, in Wrath, Wrath of, of Khan. Khan. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it doesn't make it interesting. It just makes it kind of like, eh, really? But, but the fact of the matter is, and it's like, no, I am ultimately optimistic, and I'm hopeful that uh, I have... I, I have very little reason to doubt that J.J. Abrams will do right by Star Wars and by mm-hmm. with The Force Awakens. And part of the reason is, I mean... He's always been first and foremost a Star Wars fan. Like that was something that came out when he was working on Star Trek. And so he it's very it's very fitting that he is the first director of these new movies because mm-hmm. he is somebody who grew up with the movies, who loved the original movies and he, I'm sure there's a part of the, him that he's probably said that feel that felt maybe as disillusioned as some people were to a certain extent with the prequels, and he wants to return it to the glory days that he remembers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the way that, and I think everything that I've seen about the movie in terms of the trailers, in terms of some of the TV spots. It seems like it's getting back to the things that made Star Wars special in the first place. Right. And I think having him at the helm, I think having Lawrence Kasdan work on the screenplay for the first time since Empire and Jedi, mm-hmm. I, I think that is... <clears throat> I, I think those are all good things. I think the fact that he's shooting on film instead of digitally, I think the fact that he's using practical effects in conjunction with... Mm. Uh, digital effects. I think every all of the movies and he's and made, they're still and they're also using some miniatures. I believe. Oh yeah, not? yeah, yeah. All of the moves that he has made so far have been very much in the positive. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's going to be exciting to see uh, this week to see how well he pulls it off. And yeah, I mean, I deep down, I don't think it's going to be the same as nineteen ninety nine. I don't mm. think it's going to be, you know, wanting to see it over and over just to try to convince myself that I liked it. Mm. I think it's something where it's like, if I go to this movie over and over again, it's going to be because I enjoy the movie. Mm. So, I mean, I think, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, it is kind of bittersweet to a certain extent that George Lucas is not really involved with this movie. I but at the same time, to a certain extent, it's also kind of like a little bit of a relief, I think, for a lot of people. And I think part of that is because he... I do think part of it is be, he, because he did become jaded. 
about Star Wars over mm-hmm. the years. And I think he did become somewhat resentful about over the years. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's unfortunate. I think it, I think you see it a little bit in the prequels. Yeah. But at the same time, he was, I know he was heavily involved in the Clone Wars series, which really has did a lot more of the traditional Star Wars type of storytelling than the prequels did. So mm-hmm. it's like the fact that he it's it's a weird it's a weird almost contradiction in a way. But I think as far as bring the films back, bring it back to the big screen, mm-hmm. I think it is a good thing that he's not involved with it. Not because I feel any ill will to him. I certainly don't. But just because of the fact that I think it's time for other people to have the opportunity to tell stories in this universe that they want to tell. Mm -hmm. And I think he's, you know, and I think J.J. Abrams is certainly the perfect person to start out with that. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what some of these other directors uh, bring to the table. Mm -hmm. So... um. Who so are the yeah. other two directors? The one that did Looper? Uh, Ryan Rand Johnson, who did Looper, who Is did he's, he's the doing Brothers episode, Bloom. He's doing episode eight. He's doing episode eight. And uh, who's doing episode nine? Colin. Tre- Trevorrow or whatever. Yeah, Trevorrow, who, who did, did Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. And, uh, and uh, Safety Nine Guaranteed, mm-hmm. which was a smaller science fiction movie. He's mm-hmm. doing episode nine. Uh, Gareth Edwards, who did the uh, recent Godzilla uh, movie, is doing Rogue One, which is the first standalone. And, and those uh, guys that did uh, the Lego movie. Chris and Miller and Phil Lord, who did, or yeah, Peter, yeah, Phil Lord, who did uh, t- the Jump Street movies as well as the Lego movie, is doing the Han Solo mm-hmm. movie. So. Uh, I imagine that they'll there. Be. There are going to be some interesting. Uh, there are definitely going to be some interesting takes on the Star Wars universe coming out in the next few years. I'm looking right. forward to it, right? Because I mean, I'm a, I'm, I've been a fan of all of those filmmakers for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be interesting. I mean, I I mean, obviously, one of the things I'm looking forward to most is uh, the music by John Williams. Mm-hmm. But I'm also interested to see what other composers are going to bring to the table to some mm-hmm. of these standalone movies. Um, I hope that you get Giacchino in there at some point. I I, I trust it. It would be nice too. I mean, I I would like because in a lot of ways he is kind of like my he is kind of like the modern day John Williams. I oh yeah. Ways, so. I mean, it made all the sense in the world that he ended up scoring uh, Jurassic World when J.J. Uh, Abrams tapped John Williams to do Episode Seven. Um, and right. I mean, Giacchino just did such a good job of, uh, replicating that, you know, traditional John Williams sound on Super 8 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't looking forward to hearing what John Williams has to do, has, has left to, uh, You heard a little do. tiny smidge of it. That was like the, that was like the first time you'd heard a little bit in that, like, uh, that, the that, sixty minutes, the, thing, the sixty minutes right? thing that I posted yeah. on Facebook and I tagged you in it, which you, I still haven't watched have you, because like, I haven't had time. You actually do. You actually—that's the first time you hear any like any of the yeah. new music from yeah. that, and it's and it was real. I really got a kick out of that. 
So. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I definitely will uh, check it out. I hate to say it, but, like, I am somebody who, if, you know, like, you know, I, I don't want to say, like, you know, no spoilers because, you know, that's, like, I will, if I, if I hear, like, if, you know, if I see something that, like, you know, if I see a link that will show you something, I will probably go to work. Yeah. I, I hate mean, to say, that, I hate to admit it, but, like, you know, and, like, I, I'm, like, I, I know, like, I, I know our friend Daniel is very avid about not wanting anything to be yeah spoiled, although he has tagged us in a couple of things that, are like, you know, made me yeah. question that, but. Well, I think now that we're in the home stretch, I think it's. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting to the point where it's like yeah you don't necessarily want spoilers right like I want to see reviews of the movie but at the same time I don't because mm-hmm. I don't want ruined for me mm-hmm. um, and yeah I mean I I just you know I'm so relieved that I've sort of gotten away from as many potential spoilers as I have this time around because I know when in going back to the lead up to Fan Mess. It was one of those things where it's like I devoured everything I pretty much could. Mm-hmm. You know, and that include reading reviews, that include reading articles, this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's also not... the soundtrack album, which, yeah. you know, spoiled Qui-Gon dying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> famously. But uh, that's also like, that's also when the internet wasn't as. No, prevalent it was just it is coming. Now. Well, it was just coming into its own. Well, no, you know that. You and know, no, it wasn't nearly as. There were websites. Reckless yeah, exactly. As it was. There, that was the last thing. Like, actually, now that I think about it, like, because um, I had my very first apartment in '99 with Dave and our other, and our friend Mike, and that's the thing. Like, that's when I started. That's when I, that's when I discovered the. Uh, that's when I discovered like downloading trailers and watching yeah. them over and over and over and yeah. over and over again, like in the comfort of your, uh, you know, on the comfort of your own computer. Right. And the thing like Dave showed me how to do that. Yeah. And he showed, and that was the thing like the first thing I ever had, you know, that, you know, was the Phantom Menace trailer that, of course, I watched over and over and over and over and over again and scrutinized and mm-hmm. analyzed and like, you know, freeze framed and, you know, and that's that's yeah. things like that's actually something that Dave. That's actually one of the very first things that Dave and I really truly bonded over was the was the trailer for for Phantom Menace, right? Because of that very thing. Mm-hmm. But like that's thing like when you that's kind of, kind of interesting how you mentioned how the internet was kind of just like in its infant infancy. Yeah, if that's the right term. Yeah, like, you know, in, in, as far as like websites and you know what you know the spoiler potential mm-hmm. online, you know. Yeah, it's not nearly as aggressive in that respect as it is now. No. I mean, people, you know, there there's a certain amount of people that are respectful of that, but there are just as many people who aren't. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I, I know I have been very cautious when it comes to reading anything because I, I respect, like, I respect J.J. Abrams and them trying to keep this as much of a secret as possible. Mm-hmm. Because I won't be surprised. Right. I won't be surprised sure, by the I'm, direction that yeah. this movie goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I didn't really, I ended up not really getting that out of Fan Mess because I basically knew everything that could happen in Fan Mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was still exciting to see it happen to a certain extent, but that doesn't necessarily mean any of it really surprised me. Right. So. But we will see. Um, I guess. And, 
I think that's a pretty good place to end. Uh, I think so. It was, a, it was an yeah. interesting you know, discussion. We can always do another one of these. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely like to do one after uh, we both have had a chance to do to watch Force Awakens mm-hmm. and to uh, talk about that a little more in depth. Right. Um, but for now, I mean, I think that we, we covered a pretty wide variety of topics oh, to definitely. a certain extent. I definitely. mean, we've got a lot to work with. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, we, you know, we'll, I'll try to edit this down as much as possible mm-hmm. because it's like there there is a lot that we went through, but at the same time, it's like there's probably times where we went a little too far, but, Maybe. you know. But at us the same time, know. it was it was just uh, you know less known the comments discussion. less you know it was it's always fun to talk to you about uh, Star Wars and to go on and mm-hmm. on about it and just uh, you gotta get David you know, on one of these too yeah yeah and I definitely want to at some point I mean after he's uh, acclimated to you know being a father after a certain point I mean I think yeah. that would probably be a good you know, probably, you know, two, three years down the road sure. would probably be a good, uh, <laughs> good uh, time to get him involved. Um, right. But anyway, thank you very much. This is the Sonic Cinema Podcast. You can find us at www.sonic-cinema.com. Shameless. And, uh, Just shameless. <laughs> and uh, my name, once again, is Brian Scuttle. And I'm Ronnie Haynes. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will catch you next time.